Welcome to Benefits, What Like It's Hard? The podcast that breaks down the truths and misconceptions about all things benefits. Not only do we talk about what you should know about the benefits offered to you through your employer, but we also tackle topics on physical and financial wellness. I mean, come on, what more could you want from a podcast? Join me, Libby Allison, each week to hear from people just like you sharing their own experiences and experts giving us the inside scoop on the information we need to be successful. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Benefits, What Like It's Hard? My name is Gracie Van Amerongen, and I'm the Strategic Program Lead here at Haran. As many of you may know who are listening, May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and today we have a really special guest with us. Shanda Morose is a behavioral health counselor with Marathon Health, and I'm so happy to have her on the podcast with us today. Shanda, hello. Thank you so much for joining. Hello. Thanks for having me. So, Shanda, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, what do you do in the mental health space, and what made you interested in becoming a behavioral health counselor? Yeah, so um, I always knew since I was little that I wanted to work in the helping field of some sort. Um, like since second grade, I wanted to be a doctor. And then uh, my freshman year, it started shifting into an interest in psychiatry and psychology. And then uh, my junior and senior year of high school, I actually ended up pursuing um, becoming a certified nursing assistant. So then that followed with a focus initially in college um, with my undergrad studies uh, with focused uh, in nursing. And then uh, life ended up taking a different direction and I ended up obtaining a bachelor's degree in health sciences uh, where I focused in health education and disease prevention. And I really didn't know where I was going to end up with that or what my focus was going to be. Uh, but then I returned to my hometown and I was blessed to be placed in the field of substance abuse treatment, where I began working in an outpatient treatment facility with severe opioid addiction. And so I first started um, in an, an administrative position and within six months of working there, I obtained the minimum certifications to provide substance abuse counseling. So then I quickly progressed into intake coordinator and then becoming a substance abuse counselor. So through that work, I realized that, you know, I have a deep passion working for this specific population because I witnessed a lot of friends and close family members, unfortunately, struggling with addictions that mm -hmm. really like gave me a thirst for that knowledge and passion to just absorb as much as I could to understand the struggles that these people were, were experiencing. And then, so I decided yeah. to go back to school, um, where I pursued the mental health, uh, master's degree because I realized under all of these substance abuse struggles, it seemed like there was underlying mental health issues. Um, so then through my studies uh, and my internship, I advocated for a mental health program within my organization uh, that I was working for at the time and spearheaded the mental health programming. And then with all that being said, um, I was able to do a lot of 
my own work on uh, my own struggles and and life patterns through self application mm-hmm. during my studies. Um, this it I was just able to increase so many insights through my thoughts, emotions, and behaviors, and started to find balance and self care and coping and mindfulness tools and CBT. So that tends to be like my focus in the mental health space. Okay. Um, yeah, because I found that these techniques have worked so much for me personally. Um, mm-hmm. And so also I, I, I really value meeting each client where they're at and, and having that individualized focus and, and just walking with them without judgment on their own journey and knowing it's mm-hmm. not always a one size fits all just because of my life perspective. Um, right. Just being present and, and listening, it, it really goes a long way and, and helping see each client from where they're at. Yeah, that's, that's great. I definitely understand that from a patient perspective. You know, I've been in therapy since high school (laughs) and I'm very open about that because I hope that one day it'll get to the point where, you know, people are going to see their primary care doc every year. And then they're also, you know, taking care of their mental health just as much by seeing a therapist regularly as well. So I love that you are are also so open about it and using your personal experiences to help people because I know that's always really helpful from um, the perspective of someone who struggles with mental health sometimes. It's always comforting to know that other people have been through it as well. Oh, yeah, for sure. So, Shanda, what would you say is kind of the landscape of mental health right now? I mean, I know there's been so many things that have been going on in the world politically, socially, the pandemic. Um, People are talking a lot more about mental health right now and the importance of it. What what would you say are the biggest challenges that you're seeing your patients face right now? Yeah, um, so I think the pandemic really, really opened up people's eyes and maybe prompted or exacerbated things that they were already struggling with. And I think during the midst of the pandemic, everybody's anxiety and depression was at an all-time high. And mm-hmm. I think for the most part, um, you know, th- most people are on like a downward slope of that. And they're realizing that it it was widely talked about on the media uh, throughout the pandemic, and and people are realizing that it is becoming more of a normal thing uh, to struggle with such things, and and starting yeah. to reach out for the help. Um, but also, you know, there there's people that you know, unfortunately, maybe didn't make it out of the pandemic because the intensity or worsening mm-hmm. of the symptoms and conditions. And I think, you know, there's there's still a lot of, of work to be done with the destigmatizing and mm-hmm. um, openness to, to the overall subject. But I think, you know, there there's still a lot of people out there that are are avoiding symptoms, maybe through unhealthy coping skills that were perhaps developed during the pandemic, or maybe this has just been a lifetime struggle um, and they're unwilling to reach out the help 
out for the help because of the dismissiveness and stigmatization of mental health issues and their families or maybe their workplaces. So along those lines, would you say that there's a certain type of person that's most affected by mental health struggles? I know you were saying, I totally agree. There's definitely a stigma around mental health and something that I've personally struggled with is thinking, well, you know, I can still get out of bed. I can still go to work. I can still function as a normal person. So I must not be that anxious or I must not be that depressed. Is there a misconception that you see often your patients have or just people in general have about those who might be struggling with their mental health? Yeah, um, so I was recently talking to some friends and and colleagues about this and and noticing that like mental health struggles do not discriminate. Um, They certainly make it more difficult for those that are struggling with some of the more basic needs and, you know, that ongoing stress of not having those basic needs met. But there's definitely a higher risk uh, for those that are genetically predisposed to mental health Mm -hmm. issues, uh, environmental factors within the home or within the home growing up or exposure to trauma. Okay, that definitely makes sense. So let's say that, um, you know, I'm feeling kind of bad or I'm noticing maybe a friend or a family member might be struggling a little bit. Are there types of warning signs that people can look out for to help identify if someone might be struggling? Because I know, especially nowadays, you see it in the news very often um, when people do have mental health struggles, a lot of times their family members say they had no idea that they were struggling or they thought they were doing better and they didn't realize the signs. So is there something that you would say people should look out for um, with their family and friends and also, you know, even with their coworkers or other people that are in their life um, so that if they do notice someone struggling, they can be um, an outlet for that person or a way to intervene? Yeah, if you notice a, a friend or loved one is displaying confused thinking, prolonged periods of depression, through um, presentation of like sadness or irritability, feelings of extreme highs and lows with their moods, uh, maybe having excessive fears, worries, or anxieties, isolation or social withdrawal, dramatic changes in eating or sleeping sleeping habits, uh, strong feelings of anger, strange thoughts, seeing or hearing things that aren't there, Uh, Not having the ability to cope with daily problems or activities, suicidal thoughts, um, decreased functioning in relationships, work, school, home. Mm -hmm. Those are typically the things to look out for. So let's say I did see a warning sign like that in a friend or a family member what would you recommend? How do you start that conversation with someone? Or on the flip side of that as well, if you notice those signs in yourself, how do you start that conversation with someone you love to reach out for help if you do need it? I think it's important to 
express those feelings of concern or worry and and be genuine about it. And it may lead to then having an open conversation and having that person feeling supported because I think it goes a long way to just feel heard and having that feeling of being supported because it creates a sense of connection. Right. And I feel like that's really important. I know a lot of times if you're struggling, you kind of feel isolated or you feel by yourself. So I'm sure creating that environment where you're fostering that connection is always going to be really important. Yeah. So sure. if there are employees that are looking to get engaged more proactively with their mental health, what would you say is the first step in kind of starting a mental health journey or somebody who, you know, thinks, hey, maybe it would be a good idea to talk to a behavioral health counselor or a therapist or a social worker or whatever. Um, what would you say is the first step in that process? I believe that the first step is starting some discussion about it and and talking about it and in hopes of normalizing or destigmatizing it. Possibly surveying employees in some way to gauge the prevalence of the issue and exploring suggestions of how the organization can provide a means of support. Because if it's not being talked about, then the dismissiveness of the issue is just being reinforced. Right. So so having that like sense of support and openness that's modeling that it's okay to talk about and ask for the help if it's needed and of course i think you know with the organizations that offer mental health services to their employees the easiest way to initiate some of that conversation organically is incentivizing those annual checkups and allow for screening and conversation and referral connections to plant those seeds of information and highlight that there possibly is the problem there. So if I thought that I might want to um, just explore some more options for my mental health, would you recommend that I first go and talk to my primary care physician? Yeah, I think that can definitely be a first step in exploring that there there is an issue, getting a, a medical professional involved and mm-hmm. and they're able to, you know, explore the skills they have and then refer to that specialty service. Yeah. Well, that's a really good idea. And I think, you know, engaging in primary care, we always talk about this a lot on our podcast about how important it is and to have that ongoing relationship with a singular provider so that they can help with triaging your care, but also just creating that outlet so that if you do feel like you need help in the mental care, mental health space, they are able to provide you with some options or some providers, referrals, because uh, that's what they do. So it is so important to have a primary care physician. For sure, yeah. So, that. that- creates the support. Right. Yeah. So let's just say I'm feeling really anxious right now, today, at this moment. (laughs) Um, What are some tips for people who are feeling those feelings like anxiety or depression in the moment when they can't see their provider right away? Of course, if there's an emergency, you should always call 911. But 
if there is just a day where, you know, you're just feeling down and you're not feeling like yourself, what would you say are some good tips to help people through those down moments? So I know a go-to for me is uh, diaphragmatic breathing or belly breathing. Um, it's a way to increase regulation of anxious states as well as creating awareness of my body's physiological responses to my thoughts and emotion and practicing it in your day as a mindful breathing um, can be, it, it can create that awareness of where you're allowing your thoughts and emotions to go. And it's actually become very intentional in my daily life to remain calm and in control of my thoughts and emotions. Hmm. Um. Also, there is a, a five, four, three, two, one grounding skill that it can be helpful. Um, so you pick out five things that you see in your environment to create that present awareness. Four things that you feel, um, maybe feeling your your shirt on your skin or the way you're sitting in your chair. Um, and then also three is three things that you hear, uh, whether it be hearing traffic in the distance or a dog barking or conversation in the next room. Um, two is smell, noticing two smells in the environment. And one is taste, noticing the taste in your mouth or um, taste of the air. Uh, also, journaling can be really helpful. Sometimes, you know, more creative typewriting, people write poetry or write songs to really explore their thoughts and emotions, uh, listening to music and music can be um, we can we can really get creative with music because we can allow mm -hmm. it to pull us in further to emotions or we can allow it to pull us out of emotions and, you know, try to connect with the opposite of how we're feeling. Also, uh, calling a friend or a family member to talk with. Um, also, physical exercise, finding a fun, enjoyable physical activity to engage in. Uh, finding a hobby or activity that brings you joy or alleviates stress. And there's also a really good app called Insight Timer. It's it's a free uh, app that has guided meditations and and meditative music, different things on there to explore and and create that support. Um, also, a support group, and you can find any type of support group out there nowadays. Uh, there's mental health okay. specific support groups, twelve step. Uh, religious or spiritual groups, those things. Um. Yeah, I mean, those are all really great suggestions. And honestly, I'm glad you said those because those are some of the things that I use. So I'm like, yes, I must be doing it right. <laughs> I'm, I'm doing the stuff that she already says. Um, I really like that five, four, three, two, one uh, that you were saying. I my a therapist that I had once in high school kind of taught me a similar method, although it was just called like going to your happy place. Oh yes, <laughs> which yes. I know sounds so silly when you think about it, but she was like, you know, just think about a place that you remember being really happy. And so when you do feel really anxious, you just close your eyes and you think about, you know, what would you feel physically feel like? For me, my happy place at the time was 
sitting on a couch in front of a fire in front of a Christmas tree because I love Christmas time. So mm. I would think, you know, I'm, I'm sitting on the couch and I feel the comfortability of the couch. I'm smelling the fire in the fireplace. I'm smelling the Christmas tree. I see the ornaments on the tree. And when you focus on details like that, it's amazing how quickly your body can just redirect where your energy is going and it calms, it would calm me down so quickly. And so I love that you said that, uh, five, four, three, two, one, cause I think that's helpful for, you know, when you're sitting at your desk at work, you know, sometimes you might be super overwhelmed at work. You know, you have to send that email, you have to join that call, but you can take, you know, 30 seconds and do something like that and just ground yourself. And it can, it's amazing how quickly it can calm you down. Yes, for sure. And then also something I wanted to mention too, um, for those more um, severe situations, there's always the mm-hmm. National Suicide Prevention uh, Lifeline, uh, 1-800-273-8255. And then there's also a texting line too, where you can text home to 741-741. And there are people available in those areas 24-7 for a means of support. Oh, wow. That's great. I didn't know about the texting part of it. That's probably really helpful for people who might not want to talk on the phone, but just want to text. That's great. Mm -hmm. And we can definitely link um, that app that you were talking about and then also include those phone numbers in the description of this podcast episode. So if you do want to use any of those resources, be sure to check out the description below. But thank you so much, Shanda, for taking your time to talk to us today. This is a really important topic and something that Haran recognizes is important. I know Marathon Health recognizes it is important. And um, I'm happy that we were able to record this podcast and hopefully help a little bit with that stigma so that people realize that they uh, are not alone and also have plenty of resources available to them if they need it. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate the conversation. Thanks, Shanda. Also, you can find more educational resources available on our Twitter and Instagram. So be sure to follow us at Haran1948. And if you could subscribe to our podcast, we would love that also. And you'll get notified whenever we have new episodes. Thanks for listening. See you next time.